Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for coming along today for uh, this update uh, on the situation with coronavirus and uh, happy to answer uh, questions at uh, the end of this as well. Uh, today's update will be published at two o'clock as normal, but uh, I can uh, confirm today that uh, at two o'clock we will report uh, 23 cases uh, in Scotland as of nine o'clock this morning. That is an increase of five uh, since yesterday. Um, I want to be very clear, though, that the situation is still that all cases in Scotland so far can be traced either to international travel to affected areas or to other confirmed cases. Um, that means we continue to be very much in the contain phase. That is uh, true of the UK as a whole. And as you uh, know by now, the contain phase uh, involves a focus on identifying those contacts of confirmed cases, people that they have been in close contact with, following up uh, those individuals, offering testing where necessary and appropriate advice. Um, in this contained phase, it is also very important that the advice given to the public uh, is repeated and that we continue to appeal to the public, as I believe the public have been doing, to abide by and follow that advice. And of course, I'm talking particularly about the advice on hand washing and on uh, the steps to take if you are coughing or sneezing. And I want to uh, reiterate the importance of that, the way in which uh, this virus spreads. These remain the most important things that we can do in this phase to limit and prevent spread from individual to individual. Um, so we are uh, still in the contained phase, but uh, equally there is uh, an increasing inevitability that we will uh, face a significant outbreak of coronavirus across the UK. And therefore our discussions, uh, the Cabinet Secretary, uh, Chief Medical Officer and I have just come from uh, a COBRA meeting chaired by the Prime Minister this morning and increasingly the focus of discussions there is on the move into what is called the delay phase and that is when efforts switch to uh, measures that will delay the spread of the virus, uh, flatten the infection curve and reduce the numbers of people that are infected at any one time. And uh, those uh, discussions were helpful this morning. The timing of moving into the delay phase and then what measures uh, we judge will be most effective in that phase must be driven and are being driven very firmly by good quality scientific advice. And I, I want to stress this point because understandably many people across Scotland, across the UK, will be looking to the situation in other countries and questioning uh, why some of these moves are not being made uh, yet here in Scotland and in the UK. And it's very important uh, that as we seek to delay the spread of infection, measures that are deemed to be effective are certainly not left too late to be effective, but it is equally important that they are not applied too early because that will reduce their effectiveness as well. So we continue to be uh, advised by our scientists uh, and there'll be further discussions on uh, these matters uh, later this week in uh, a further COBRA meeting. Um, if I can maybe just say a word or two about as we do move from contain into the delay phase, what initially certainly 
uh, this might look like uh, for the public. And before I do it, let me emphasise that uh, these decisions haven't yet been taken and these therefore are not uh, announcements of what might uh, be coming uh, down the track. But uh, right now, as, as you will know, uh, standard advice to people who have serious flu-like symptoms or uh, respiratory uh, illness symptoms, uh, common sense advice from a GP or just common sense right now would tell you to not go to work and stay at home. Uh, so there is no change of advice in terms of uh, saying to people that that's what they should do if they are uh, unwell in that way. But over the next couple of weeks, that is advice that might be extended to people who have much more mild symptoms. Uh, to do that now, which we are not advising right now, would not be appropriate because right now the vast majority of people with mild symptoms won't have coronavirus. But over the next couple of weeks, that may change and therefore mild symptoms may become more indicative of coronavirus. So uh, at some stage, advising people with milder symptoms to stay at home uh, is, is one of the things that uh, people should perhaps uh, expect. Another focus of the discussions about what measures uh, to take in the delay phase uh, are very much on how to protect what we would describe as more vulnerable people, for example, elderly people and people with suppressed or compromised immune systems. Uh, the data, and Catherine can uh, speak to this more uh, later, uh, the data emerging from other countries are that these are the groups that are more likely to experience severe illness uh, complications and, and need hospitalisation. So uh, focus very much on uh, trying to protect these groups as much as possible. Uh, at the moment, and again I will stress that this remains and will remain under review, the advice is telling us that closing schools would not be uh, the, an appropriate thing to do uh, right now, uh, and similarly with uh, large-scale public events. But all of that continues to be uh, kept under review and informed by the best advice. Uh, my last point uh, before I open up to questions is, is this one. Uh, all of these measures, and this uh, is true in the UK as it will be true in other countries, all of these measures that we consider uh, for the, the delay phase of this outbreak are about mitigating uh, the impact of an outbreak of coronavirus, uh, not eradicating it. Uh, and I think it's important to say that so that there is clarity that even with all these measures, we are in all likelihood facing over the next number of weeks a very challenging situation. Uh, and I make that point because it underlines the importance of the wider planning that is underway, uh, not exclusively, uh, but specifically, of course, wider planning in terms of the ability of our National Health Service uh, to cope with increased demand uh, and care for uh, and treat particularly those who may develop uh, the uh, most serious form of uh, this illness and, and that uh, the Scottish Government Resilience Committee will meet this afternoon to uh, take forward, as we have been doing, uh, the planning in terms of the wider uh, implications of the situation we're facing. Um, final, final point before uh, I do open to questions is just to reiterate uh, a point of uh, assurance for the public. We are uh, dealing with, and I, I said this last week, uh, a number of worst case scenarios uh, in order that our planning is as uh, robust as it needs to be, but these are worst case scenarios. Um, and also it remains the case that for uh, the vast majority of people who contract this uh, illness, uh, they will experience mild symptoms. Indeed, uh, I, I think we see with uh, cases that have already been confirmed in Scotland, uh, 
some patients will already be well into the, the process of recovery. Uh, so our focus in terms of NHS planning is to make sure that our NHS is capable of treating and caring for uh, those who may need that kind of uh, treatment, but they will very much be um, in the minority. Um, I think with those uh, comments, I'm happy to take any questions. And of course, I will uh, call on uh, the Chief Medical Officer and the Cabinet Secretary as appropriate, uh, depending on the questions you wish to ask. Uh, yeah. Mark McLaughlin from The Times. Um, are we uh, testing people coming in from infected areas um, at the airports? Is there anything, anything like that going on in Scotland? Um, secondly, Whitehall is apparently now working towards a central estimate of, I think it was about 100,000 deaths, and that was to kind of bring it down from the 1% of 80%, which was 500,000. Do we have a similar central estimate in, in Scotland? The final question is at delay stage just now, but if people are maybe planning holidays for the Easter break, what would be the right advice to, to them? Okay, um, I'll hand over to Catherine on uh, the issue of testing people coming into the country in a second, but just uh, if I can briefly say that my uh, understanding of the advice uh, is that testing people coming into the country because of the variations in terms of when people show increased temperature and such like would not be the most effective uh, thing to do. It's not as uh, well refined a measure um, as, as it would need to be, but Catherine can answer that uh, in a bit more uh, detail. In terms of the central estimates, we are, we're working very much on a, a UK-wide basis, but all of these estimates, and I, I was asked about that specific one on, on television yesterday, and, and we'll make the point now that I made then, uh, we are dealing with worst-case scenarios, and much of what we are now focusing on are measures to make sure that we can do everything possible to reduce that worst-case scenario. So, in a sense, to, to focus on some of these uh, numbers misses the point of the efforts we're making to try to reduce uh, these numbers. Now, as I said in, in my opening remarks, we are still going to have a significant and challenging situation to face. Uh, but the more we can uh, delay the spread and reduce the peak impact... Uh, and also, specifically in relation to my comments about elderly and uh, more vulnerable people, reduce uh, the impact on those who would be most likely to develop serious complications, then the more we can have a downward pressure on the kind of numbers that you um, are, are quoting. And lastly, on the question about advice to the public, we will try to be uh, and, and do everything possible to be as open uh, and frank and expansive with the public as the advice emerges. What I don't want to do is give advice now for a situation weeks ahead before we are in a position of knowing uh, that that advice is properly grounded in the science and uh, the, the measures that we require to take to be most effective. There is existing travel advice which has evolved over the last few days which is available to people in the Foreign, Foreign and Commonwealth Office website about what the advice is uh, in terms of travel to countries that are already affected. Catherine, do you want to say a word or two more about, about any of that that you want, but particularly about testing? Um, thank you. In? Uh, we, as uh, across the UK, took the decision right at the beginning of this outbreak that we wouldn't do screening or testing at airports. This is in part because you would be testing somebody for a high temperature, and not everyone who has coronavirus has a high temperature. So you are potentially falsely reassured by somebody's temperature being normal. The other um, important factor is that actually people are probably most symptomatic when before they perhaps are at that stage of the, of the illness when they would have a high temperature. So again, having somebody's uh, temperature taken does not mean that one, they don't have coronavirus, and two, that they're not infectious. So those are have been adopted by other countries, but our scientific advice is telling us that that is not a way of slowing transmission. Okay, any other questions? Yes. Um, 
time jump from the telegraph. Um, it's been reported there's lots of flights coming out of Italy at the moment because basically people are trying to get out before the quarantine comes in. Would you expect that to lead to an increase in cases in this country? Just people, lots more people traveling from an infected area to this country. And secondly, it seems that the increase in cases in Scotland has been um, much less than in England. I just wondered whether Scotland's relative rurality will protect Scotland against the virus uh, to a certain extent. Um, okay, I, I will risk going outside my areas of expertise. I, I would expect we see a, a, an increase in cases uh, anyway. I said that last week. It, it remains the case uh, today, um, and uh, that's not specifically uh, to do with the, the issue you raise. It's more generally the case. Um, I would not want to assume that our rurality or remoteness would protect us in any way uh, from this virus. I think we will be affected broadly in the same way as the rest of uh, the UK. Uh, we are perhaps, and, and again, this is, I'll, I'll allow Catherine to expand on this uh, for obvious reasons, but when you look at the case numbers, and, and in particular what I said earlier on about all our cases still being traceable to travel or other confirmed cases, the fact that we, uh, and I, I stress this is at this stage, uh, none of the patients uh, that we have confirmed here in Scotland are significantly unwell. Uh, that we may be a few days behind the curve in terms of some other parts of the UK, but over uh, a longer period of time, I would expect that to flatten out. Catherine can now say whether I got that right or, yes, or not. Yes, absolutely correct. So we, we've said that we will have cases, we will have increased numbers of cases in Scotland, and that's what's happened. And I wouldn't read anything into these small numbers at the moment being reassuring. This is what happened in England. There were even some days at the beginning of the outbreak where there were no new cases in England. We may have that as well. But the way this virus is, is transmitted and is spreading, I, I don't think we can take reassurance that, that the slowness is, is going to be anything other than them building up. Uh, Paul, and then um, come behind. I think the voluntary organisers announced today that there'd be no more six nations matches at least to be postponed. Have you had any discussions with the chief medical officer about um, the remainder of the football season? Yeah, I think, I think you can take it as right. I'm having daily discussions with the Chief Medical Officer about all of uh, these things. My, if you forgive me, we've been in the COBRA meeting and I've come into this press briefing. As I understand it, that uh, situation with the remaining Six Nations match may not be as set as, as some of the early reporting this morning indicated. Obviously, these things are under review and, and we'll, you know, the, the authorities and different governments will continue to assess them. We took, and uh, based very much on uh, Catherine's advice and, and the overall advice, uh, on uh, the efficacy of cancelling mass gatherings at this stage, particularly the efficacy of cancelling uh, uh, an open-air mass gathering and then having more people gathering in smaller indoor areas would, was not the appropriate thing to do. Um, if that advice changes, then we adapt to that. But my understanding is that would be the, the, the situation as it is uh, right now and would apply to uh, football as well. But these things will continue to be under review on literally a daily basis. Yeah, no, nothing to add. It's that the right, the, the, the scientific advice as we have, have it is that there's very little impact of these mass gatherings on increased transmission within the population. That's not to say that there won't be some, but as we've already answered the question before, we're expecting more transmission anyway. And, and the, the situation, and I, I suspect <coughs> you, you're aware of this and understand it, but it's worth just uh, reinforcing it. The situation with the women's rugby match at the weekend uh, being cancelled was not because of a risk about playing the match. It was to do with the fact that the player had been confirmed, had been in contact with 
other players and therefore it was a practical issue about fielding a team um, on the pitch. So these are, are different situations. Um, yep, did you want to? Um, there's been a lot of panic buying on social media with an empty shelf. What advice would you give to people who are sort of quite worried about being able to get toilet rolls mm -hmm. and other essentials? And also, is there any support that the Scottish Government can offer retailers to deal with this? Well, I think probably the, the issue of support for retailers uh, relates to the first part of your question in terms of advice to the public, which is to be sensible um, and not to uh, rush out to buy things because... Uh, you're, you're worried about shortages. It's often that kind of behaviour that causes the shortages, not any underlying issue. Uh, part of the reason uh, that it's important to be very open and transparent with the public as our understanding and decision-making evolves is because that's the right thing to do for its own sake. But also it's about giving the public assurance that as, as much as possible, if there are going to be changes in the advice we're giving or if there are measures that are going to be implemented that involve uh, asking people to change their behaviour, we are seeking to do that in as orderly a way as possible, giving people as much notice of that as possible so that there isn't the need for that kind of approach that we've seen uh, earlier. We will uh, you know, be happy and, and very keen to keep a dialogue with retailers and with supermarkets in particular to make sure that they've got the best advice and that we can work together on that uh, kind of public messaging to make sure that we don't see unnecessary uh, pressure put on supplies of any uh, particular commodities. Uh, Colin? It was connected to that. What dialogue are you having with the supermarkets, but also with major sporting organisations, given that we've got a full fixture list this weekend? We, we'll be having a dialogue and engagement with a range of different interests obviously uh, just to, to take one example there was dialogue last week with the SRU about the rugby match uh, and we will make sure that it uh, continues uh, with uh, retailers with sporting organizations uh, so that they uh, have the advice they need but also can come to us and certainly uh, there was a good engagement between uh, the CMO and the SRU last week about not just whether the match could go ahead but what given the decision for it to proceed, what that could then be used for in terms of some wider uh, public health messaging. Uh, we are also, uh, as you would uh, appreciate, doing a, a range of work uh, around, uh, I mentioned NHS capacity earlier on, but we are also, I think I may have mentioned this last week, but we're looking at uh, what the Scottish Government can and needs to do uh, to support vulnerable people, and I'm talking vulnerability here in terms of poverty and income as opposed to health, uh, how we provide advice and where appropriate support for uh, the business community who may be affected by uh, staff shortages through to illness. So there is a, a panoply of work underway here that will evolve and develop uh, in the days and weeks to come as we go through uh, the, the development and evolution of this. What about then, So I don't want to get into too much detail right now because we, we, we still have uh, further discussion uh, on a four-nation basis and some decisions to take. But I said earlier on uh, that one of, the, uh, one of the priorities in the next phase will be to uh, obviously reduce uh, or delay spread and reduce the peak, but also to protect vulnerable people. Now, that may uh, mean that in due course we are giving bespoke advice to uh, elderly people about, you know, their engagements and, and uh, sort of going around their normal business. But again, we will do that in good order. Uh, but the point about elderly and people with other health vulnerabilities is well made because you know that is about not just reducing 
uh, the, the spread and the peak of infection, but that's also trying to protect people uh, who would be more susceptible to more serious illness, so reducing the need for hospitalisation and hopefully reducing uh, the number of people, which, as with flu, uh, it is always the case that uh, some people uh, unfortunately die uh, from flu, uh, but we also want to protect those who would be more at risk there in order to reduce that impact as well. Right, any final question before we wrap up? Yes? Just one follow-up well, on the older people. Can you still visit your, your, your granny and care home? Is that still uh, advisable? As of now, uh, there is no change in advice around that. If that advice changes, uh, then we will set that out to the public very clearly uh, and transparently. Um, as with all of these things, I, I do not want to say that none of these things may change over the, the days and weeks to come because we obviously have to do what... Uh, requires to be done to try to reduce the impact of this and there is a very uh, robust process underway looking at the different measures that could be taken, the effect they will have on uh, the spread of the illness, uh, the peak incidence, the uh, complications and number of people who might unfortunately die from this versus their efficacy and practicality uh, and what they mean in a wider societal sense. So that is careful work. It will undoubtedly involve some difficult judgments for ministers across the UK, but the focus is on doing everything we reasonably can to reduce the impact. And lastly, yes. Um, Well, people, I'm not going to go into uh, detail just now because we're still talking about small numbers of cases and patient confidentiality remains important. But every patient will be appropriately cared for. In many of these cases, that will mean admission to hospital. It won't necessarily mean that in, in all of these cases because it will come down to the circumstances and the judgment uh, that's been made by the people in the teams that are, are caring for them. But appropriate care for patients and crucially in terms of the phase we are in right now, uh, the rigorous following up of contacts uh, to make sure that anybody they've been in contact with is getting the appropriate follow-up as well. Uh, uh, so it's a slightly related question. Mm -hmm. Does, if you're, most of the people you, you've got so far are people you have got, mm -hmm. as far as I understand, we're only really testing people who've got con contact with positive cases or who have been to other countries. So you wouldn't know... No, no, that's, not, that, that, that's, that's not. factually not the case. We're, we're also doing uh, right. GP surveillance and other... Uh, the, the surveillance programme, we've, we've got sentinel GP practices that are doing more community surveillance. We also have people who uh, have respiratory illness and are perhaps in ICU with uh, pneumonia. We are doing surveillance there. So there is actually quite a, a sophisticated surveillance uh, programme in addition to the testing of people who, have, uh, who fit the case definition that we've been working to. Do you want to say any more about the surveillance? Does that cover it? That's yes, and 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 we we inst we in, we instigated that the week yeah. before last in Scotland, and there are no cases at the moment in Scotland which have been as a result of that community surveillance or intensive care surveillance. And lastly, yes. Um, I think you were asked about the one hundred thousand death toll figure yesterday on Scopey Ridge, and I think the phrase you used was worst case scenario. So, what's the worst case scenario figure for Scotland? Look, these are uh, UK-wide figures. I, as I said earlier on, I'm not trying to dodge this question, but I think it misses the point of making sure that we are focusing on uh, the measures that are required to reduce these figures, and that is the focus. We should not accept, at this stage, the inevitability of any of these figures, whether it's the infection rate or, or potential number of deaths. That's why the work we're doing right now is so important.
Okay. Thank you all very much.